Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. As opinion editor in the Straits Times, people have this idea that I'm a desk-bound editor who will just press publish on my computer. Breakfast special. Welcome to the Breakfast Special. It's Ryan and Imad. Today, we are talking about the best and worst ways of networking. Imad, how do you usually network? I would say it's a hybrid or combination of offline and online methods. So, attending networking events through social media, a combination of the two. Yeah, I suppose uh, a combination of the two, finding that balance. And it's a tricky thing to navigate because what works for someone might not work for someone else and different people have different buttons to push. So, you have to kind of read the room sometimes. Yeah, and speaking about how comfortable you might be reading a room in the Straits Times' latest op-ed piece on networking, an in- NCAD professor mentioned that very tendency. It's called homophily. That's the phenomenon of people getting attracted to others who are similar to mm-hmm. themselves. So for more on how that fits into good or bad networking, we're joined by Ling Su Ling, opinion editor at The Straits Times. Good morning, Su Ling. Hi guys, nice to be here. Alright, you are the guru, so it's great to have you here. Oh no. <laughs> so Su Ling, let's talk about your personal experience on networking. How do you typically go about networking? What do you find the most challenging? You know, Ryan and Imad, unlike you cool guys who have recognisable voices that people will recognise once you walk into a room and speak. Um, unfortunately, as opinion editor in the Straits Times, people have this idea that I'm a desk-bound editor who will just press publish on my computer. Fortunately and unfortunately, networking is actually a job requirement. So I'm actually all day, usually at conferences, gatherings. I'm trying to hear what people think about issues of the day because that's my job, to bring the most diverse perspectives and insightful things on the news of the day. Do people come up to you naturally because you're the opinion editor so they have lots of complaints or opinions? Well, I think um, a lot of the complaints probably come through the forum letters. Right. I'm kidding. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, people do want to see more diverse opinions in the opinion pages. And of course, I think it really helps that when I introduce myself, I tell them that I'm the opinion editor at the Straits Times. Hmm. Now, I just want to move on to where we can find people to network with. How do you decide who is worth getting to know? For example, I want to bring my producer, Kiting, into this. She has covered environment issues for some time now. And she says that she got to know most of her contacts in out-of-work settings, such as volunteering in the industry itself, or even through research projects. So interested to know what your take on that is. So Kaiting's experience indeed shows the power of the tribe. You mm. know, if you think about every career opportunity in the future of work. It's a problem that a group of people have gathered to solve. And once you have decided what interests you, as Kaiting has, mm. I suppose, what you really want to do is to find that community and engage with it, the community that exists around this circle. And so networking is really about defining who this is adding to the tribe and of course there are two philosophies around this one school of thought says there's no magic formula to this Uh, American entrepreneur friend Johansson wrote in his book The Click Moment he talked about how success is mostly due to luck in an uncertain world that the most impactful connections come from the most unlikeliest collaboration and at the end of the day you have to be open to chance encounters that's one school of thought now the second school of thought actually is that you need to structure it you need to have some level of diversity so American sociologist Robert Putnam has written that you should have a balance of both bonding capital and bridging capital bonding capital is relationships based on commonality 
nationality. Mm-hmm. So basically, homophily, like what you said, mm. not in that opinion piece. And of course, bridging capital, relationships that are built on differences that push you out of your comfort zone, that challenge your thinking, and then encourage inter-industry and intersectional thinking. So taking stock of your existing connections, assessing your diversity, and making time for it, I think, is another school of thought. Mm, so a quick question for you. So if you're at a party, are you the sort that would spend a lot of time speaking to a few people or spending more time speaking to more people? Ryan, unlike you, I'm actually quite an introvert. <laughs> but the thing is, um, if left to our natural devices, people do build their networks based on proximity right. over time, right? So all your networks would be, I guess, your colleagues, your ex-colleagues and people in the industry. The key thing is to try to put yourself out there. But it's hard for an introvert like me who tend to see right. networking as a dirty word almost. Like there's something there that I have to give and you have to take and then eventually you'll come back to me. But I think the key thing at the end of the day is to try to make time and see the purpose behind networking. And I think I see it as an opportunity for growth professionally and personally. Now, of course, experts say that actually when you think about the world of disruption, curiosity is a very important trait. Mm. And curiosity is important in networking because then you're open to new people and things, you're more informed and you're more well-rounded. And you mentioned just now impactful, right? It's not just about knowing your name or where you're coming from, what's your job. When you talk about impactful, what would be impactful for you? What sort of um, impression would you be hoping to leave or take away? Well, that's a very hard one. I think when I go into a networking um, opportunity, actually, I try very hard not to think about my objectives because it can feel like a very transactional Mm. approach. Instead, what I try to do is to think about what kind of community I'm building up. What kind of lasting, valuable relationships do I have here? Um, I'm not looking to find a job opportunity when I meet somebody new. I'm not trying to give them my my name card. I'm really just trying to understand where that person is coming from, how they see the world, and therefore what valuable relationships we can create together. Yeah, I like that approach. Not too transactional, just being human in a sense. All right, we're in conversation with Lin Su Ling, an opinion editor at The Straits Times. We're talking about the best and worst ways of networking. Uh, Su Lin, in the op-ed piece, one particular point stood out for us. That is, the best relationships arising from networking are a two-way street. So what if you're trying to network with someone influential, perhaps a CEO uh, or political leader, and you feel like you're not necessarily able to reciprocate with them due to the difference in stature or what have you, or the, the seniority, juniority complex? Well, it's it's actually quite sensible. When you think about senior people, they're more comfortable because they have something to give. They've got advice to offer, experience and connections. But ironically, the Harvard Business School Review actually looks at how it's quite a pity that people who feel powerless don't want to network. People who are junior in their organisation, who believe they have too little to give, are therefore the least likely to engage in networking, even though they are the ones who derive the most benefit. Now, of course, the key thing then is how do we go about doing that? Um, in their book, Influence Without Authority, psychologists Alan Colin and David Bradford note that people tend to think too narrowly about the resources they have that others might tend to value. So we think about the tangible, right? Mm-hmm. What money I have, what social connections, what technical support and information. But actually, a lot of people who are senior, who are more experienced, they do want to give back. And so, for example, although mentors, for example, um, they do like to help people, a lot of us don't approach to ask for help. Yeah, it makes sense on paper, but 
I can relate to what Imad mentioned because when I'm new to a group or a new set of environment, like, you know, all the faces are new. I sometimes face this imposter syndrome of sorts, especially mm. as a journalist, I'm into maybe a law conference or a shipping conference. Mm. I don't know anything about as much as them at least. So I have this struggle to open up or at least make new connections. So I'm wondering, are introverts going to be at a disadvantage here when it comes to networking? Is there a way for them to get around some of these obstacles to connect with someone if they are introvert? You know, ironically, introverts might actually have a few advantages that extroverts don't. So I guess this is where I look at you, Ryan, and I'm quite happy <laughs> that I'm the introvert. Um, the science says that introverts are good listeners and they're more interested in other people rather than to hawk the spotlight. But um, of course, introverts are quiet. They tend to require a bit more time, a little bit more prodding. But at the end of the day, when you go to a networking event, no one really wants someone who is manically handing out cards to people, trying to push themselves, trying to market themselves, mm. right? We're all there to have a good time. And it's, it can be out of tone if someone is busy marketing themselves, which some introverts can come across as. So I would say to all introverts out there that you do have strengths. You're coming from a place where you genuinely want to know people and that's a good thing. Okay, I've got a tip here for those who might be struggling. Always mm-hmm. come prepared, you know, have a small story of sorts like mm-hmm. in your bank and then you can just spill it out. Oh, nice dad joke. Something like that. Do you have something <laughs> in store to break the ice when you have to? You know, for me, Ryan, I'm not as suave as you so I don't have a bag <laughs> of jokes to reach out into. But I think when I do meet people, I'm always asking myself what is their perspective in the world that can be interesting ah, for the street yeah. times. I have a question as well. One of the pieces of advice that I got when I was networking or when I was trying to reach out to people on LinkedIn, for instance, to look for a job, um, I used to, I don't want to use the word spam, but I used to send out um, a bulk or a a number of requests to people or messages to people because the saying is throw enough mud at the wall, some of it will stick. So if you don't get a response or a tangible uh, response out of someone, is it prudent to then perhaps ask them to to help you reach out to another contact so that, you know, you can have some kind of ROI on that engagement? I think you are trying very hard not to look at ROI in the first place. ROI from an enduring, valuable relationship across a year or two will probably make sense when you ask that later on. But when you do make a connection, it's not a dumpster fire that you're trying to put out and you're asking for help right there. You're not then networking from a place of strength. You want to be able to do that. Okay. Alright, that's a great networking masterclass from our friend Ling Su Ling, opinion editor at The Straits Times. Su Ling, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be here, guys. Thanks, Su Ling. Alright, stay Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.